welcome back, new you maniacs. I'm never quite sure what part of you maniac to emphasize in saying that, but welcome back anyway. Maniac. You maniac. <laughs> welcome back to the spinner rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. Uh, we are your hosts, Stephen with Psy Force number 17, and Andy with Justice number 17, lined up nicely. Uh, The New Universe was launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window uh, with real-time progress and more realistic technology, physics, and biology. Uh, After the first year, some books were canceled, although we are seeing their characters in other places, at least Nightmask. Uh, and the remaining books now have transitioned to new status quos with consistent creative teams. What? What? <laughs> um, so listening to our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack. Or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. Uh, there's a season three trivia challenge. Test your knowledge of the new universe and our podcast. Win things. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter or x what? <laughs> at kickers inc <laughs> i hope that's still working uh yeah the um twitter account has been taking a summer break um by the time Ooh. this comes uh gets posted i'm sure it'll be back in um full activity with uh blurbs about the upcoming shows and little um visual uh, references to what we're whatever we're talking about uh, once again, we are going a little off our original schedule of titles. This scheduling will help us pace out some big events coming right up. Um, so, yeah, have we ever done Cyforce and Justice before? No, no. It doesn't seem like it, no. It seems new and odd. Okay, yeah, it feels backwards. I was saying, usually we have a solo book uh, and then a team book. But because of the order they came out in, we're doing it the other way around. And yes, this week I'll be covering Cyforce, a group of teenage psychic paranormal runaways bound together by a psychic entity called the Cyhawk. Cyforce! <laughs> Cyforce number 17. Uh, the promotional material said Meet the new universe's newest paranormals, Troublemaker and Imprint. They're not nice guys. And they're after Cyforce. But you take a breath. As they gather the information they need to destroy Cyforce, you'll get an inside look at the mysterious Siberian project, learn the secret to the mystery of Rodstvau, and discover the identity of the Medusa Network. And if that weren't enough, the Sanctuary's director, Colby Shaw, finally blows up. Beg Tomorrow is written by Fabian Nicieza and penciled by Ron Lim. <laughs> and the uh, last time when we were reading that, uh, the solicit for this issue, we were, I was curious about Colby Shaw, though. We definitely get something happening with Colby Shaw at the end of this episode, this issue. Um, but yeah, if that was too long for you, this week I'll be covering Justice. Who is Tenson? Uh, we're still kind of figuring it out. Uh, he wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. Or does he? Because we just recently had the everything you know is wrong issue. But 
Um, I'm tempted to like after every issue now be like, now is this really happening? <laughs> How could this be just a figment of his imagination? Right. Or is it just a dream? Uh, so this issue, nice and short, uh, Justice 17, learn about justice. The man he is and the man he was. Get a rare glimpse into the past of a justice warrior, courtesy of writer Peter David and penciler Lee Weeks. Wow. they Peter David could really sell you with a <laughs> short, punchy sentence, I better say. We're, we're going to read a comic and learn about one of the characters in the comic. Like, details. Uh, yeah, the um, Cyforce um, promotional is like um, this interview we looked at last time that from Marvel Age where Nicieza was listing all these great things he had upcoming, a lot of which I guess we're already starting to see in here. Yeah. But it feels like a whole interview compressed into one paragraph and like, okay, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff in this. It's number 17 is all all new. <laughs> Bold new directions. Hmm. Sort of. Uh, so let's get started with Cyforce 17. Cover dated March 1988, and we believe hit the stands November 24th, 1987. Ooh, Thanksgiving. Delightful. Hmm. Mm, doesn't really show up in the book, but okay. Um, let's see. Last issue we had uh Ron Lim's first issue, uh, where we had the Foundations Project or just Foundations Inc. was a company that was interested in uh the Cyforce. Um, there was a scientist, Emilio Licardo, that was interested in their powers and exploring them. Um, they went out with them to um, find out, you know, what the company was up to. They, um, at the end, didn't like what they were up to. And so they um, ran off again back to Sanctuary in San Francisco. Um, this time we pick up in uh, with a pretty bold cover. Um, which has got the Cyforce uh, teens, or at least uh, Stasi. Yeah, that's all five of them. I'm sorry. Tyrone kind of fades into uh, the like background figure there. I'm not sure if that's uh, 100% in intentional, but you see as a uh, uh, African-American uh, fellow kicking Thomas Boyd, and the others are kind of surprised by this. Uh, and at first you think, or I thought that like, it was kind of an art mistake because his, um, his knees bending the wrong way. That's what I thought. I'm like, Oh, this is terrible art. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so actually it sort of explained like later. Is off, but yeah, it's uh, there's a story point we get to later with it. Interesting. <laughs> um, the, in the background, you see a, um, sort of a, you know, just a figure, a close up figure of a human with this sort of weird goggles and that that are I, you can i can't even like describe the material it's um it kind of looks like parts of his body are glowing plastic energy kind of stuff so like his fingers on his hand and like a bit of his shoulder and yeah it looks he looks like it looks like eyes of a fly kind of like 
Baxter Stockman, Ninja Turtle Z kind of thing. He's a weird looking guy. It is weird. And there's some energy crackling coming from from his uh, hand. So you get the sense that this is a powerful character. Um, New Universe logo is still there in white on this bold magenta uh, energy. And uh, we've got a um, narration box. The terror of Troublemaker and the rage of Rodstvau. I'm really happy I don't have this issue, so I don't have to keep trying to pronounce Rodstvau. <laughs> I, I think you may get it eventually. He's uh, it ain't so. <laughs> I don't think he's a one-off. Um, yeah. So Rodstvau, I, I looked up, is uh, Russian for kinship. Um, it's okay. Rotstvo, Rotstvo, or something appro- approximating that. And when I googled around a little, they websites talking about this character also said it was kinship. So I don't quite get the why why that's his name, but on we go. Yeah. Um, popping inside, we have uh, the title "Beg Tomorrow" and the splash page. <laughs> is just a uh, skeleton wearing a suit sitting at a desk with a uh, like a notebook in front of him and a microphone. In fact, this looks a lot like your favorite podcasters, folks. Ouch. I was going to say, isn't it Director Bones? <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking that at first. It's like, oh, it's the guy who's like actually alive, but he just looks like a skeleton, right? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, it's kind of smoking, and um, actually, Bones was always smoking too, right? Anyway, it was kind of yeah. It's got the little notebook with all the new universe stuff, and <laughs> yeah. So it there's some narration boxes and uh, the credits, as I as we said, Fabian Nissi as a writer, Ron Lim penciler, Romia Tangal inker. Um, side. So October 19, The Siberian Project, a Soviet installation for paranormal research. Sort of like the clinic, except Russianer. I don't know. And um, there's uh, some sort of um, more boxes of dialogue, which are saying in uh, translated from the Russian, I choose to begin with the beginning and the end. Squark. The tape stops here. And someone else rewind it back to Gregorova's death. Let me just point out here. I was just talking with someone that uh, Gregorova is what you would call a woman. That would be a woman's name. Gregorov would be a man's name. So um, Russian. They messed uh, that up. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You. Uh, they do make uh, an interesting like effort to have um, authentic Russian names and such so i do appreciate the directions to go in with that but anyway the next page we um we have uh, the people who are talking and there's like three scientists standing around watching i guess a videotape or uh, listening to the audio tape of this and uh with some monitors so it may just be closure captioned and live um and one of whom we recognize, he's kind of standing off in the back a bit, but um, they're arguing over whether they want to uh, look at this again. And uh, one of the guys says, 
Comrade Vladimirov is due our complete cooperation. So it's Serge Vladimirov, who's the kind of quiet fellow in the back telling these people what to do. One of the people is uh, talking about how this creature devours his staff and he's like tired of people just standing around talking to it or something. Um, they call him Dr. Besaden and they talk about how it's been eight months since it awoke from a comatose state and it has been killing people ever since. So the woman who is running these uh, recording devices shows this interview that resulted in this smoking skeleton. And um, what we have is just look at the guy as he's talking to some monster. And it is saying, I am kin to what I choose. And what do you choose now, Rajasthvao? I choose to be kin with God and the devil. I choose to be kin with the beginning and the end. And uh, this interviewer is starts smoking and then bursts into flame and then is just a skeleton. Hmm. Um, his suit is okay, though. Curiously, his suit is not uh, damaged from what we look at. So it looks uh, it's a strong visual, especially where he's bursting into flames. But uh, the scientists, you know, one of them is pretty upset. The other two are kind of brushing it off and just trying to figure out how to what they're going to do with this. And uh, the one uh, is saying that, look, we have to make some sacrifices for the betterment of the state. And this doctor who is complaining is like, betterment of the state, that barbaric freak of nature is eating everyone here. And you expect me to just pretend it is just another patient? And uh, he, uh, the other two look shocked at him, and uh, he suddenly takes a turn for the worst and uh, just kind of collapses. He doesn't burst into flame, but you uh, sense that the others realize that if he was talking smack about Rodstvau, he's going to be uh, in trouble. And yes, he is uh, on the ground. One of them goes over to him while the other one calls the medics. But the one who's next to him just said, he's dead. So, Comrade Vladimirov, what do we do about Rudstvau? We turn him loose. Oh? <laughs> and I know where. Oh, okay. We cut to October 23rd, and there is a cathedral at Gauch. Gauch? Practice my Russian all day, and I can't remember a simple <laughs> San Francisco street name. G O U G H. Guff. Guff. Guff and O'Farrell, uh, St. Mary's Cathedral, where we surprisingly find Wayne, Wayne Tucker, who has gone to confession. It says it's been two months since he um, basically destroyed the mind of that Emilio Licardo character in the last issue. And he has been. Um, going to church regularly and going to confession, trying to, uh, I don't know, move past it. Um, we see some word balloons that don't aren't attached to anyone we see in the crowd yet. You interfere, interfaced with him yet, imprint? Okay, here goes. Tucker, Wayne, baby, ain't no forgiveness to be had for you. What the? Um, Wayne is, uh, like real uh, thinking someone's spying on him and how, how did they get into his mind? I wasn't even probing. 
he brushes off the priest who's there and is asking him what's if he's okay. Runs outside, past several people, and says he can't read anything in the crowd. But he feels like someone's been watching him. And maybe the guy just behind him is Troublemaker that we'll see next. Possible. It looks a lot like the guy on the cover. Yeah. So he, Wayne is kind of uh, discombobulated, but he doesn't have a direct confrontation. And he says, I hope everyone else is okay. And we cut over to a mall where the other Cyforce members, um, or at least Thomas, uh, Kathy, and Stasi are out shopping. And I think that basically means that Stasi and Thomas got uh, dragged along with Kathy while she goes shopping. Uh, Tomas complains. I, mean, I shouldn't call him Tomas. I don't know why. <laughs> You're getting so, all kinds of European on us. Yeah, some Spaniards at work. It's uh, it's making it harder to to focus. Um, so he complains that uh, Kathy's just keeps shopping and not buying, and she says half the fun of shopping is looking at things you know you're not going to buy. Um, he complained a little. Uh, buying look. Um, Kathy finds something and then we um, Stasi says there's something for Wayne's birthday uh, that they're shopping for and uh, like a cross earring it's a little dangly for a dude even you know, in 1987 but he's wearing one on the cover though dang good call so um, they they talk about how he has been uh, going to church once a week ever since the problems at Foundations. And uh, Kathy is kind of... Uh, Wayne Tucker is going to join the priesthood. Strike me deaf. I've heard it all. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, um, there's a purse snatching? Yeah, we just kind of hear the scream in the background and Thomas goes running. Okay. Yeah, Thomas goes running and uh, he sees this guy from the cover uh, just in sort of a jog outfit and he is um, holding something and running away from him. And and while Thomas says, hold it, punk, the guy is saying, come on, Boyd, show me something. So the oh, plot boy. thickens. He knows who he is. Boy? What? Boy, duh. Boy, duh. That's your name, dude. Come on. Um, they're not booing. They're saying boo earns. <laughs> um, you're falling behind, preppy. My boss will be disappointed. I knew Thomas was supposed to be a preppy. I knew it. <laughs> really? One our, our, the 180s archetype we didn't have in the original configuration. So that makes perfect sense. And Tomas, Thomas is thinking, this guy knows me? So we have a panel of someone watching and um, this guy, but this guy is egging him on. Thomas almost grabs him and suddenly the guy is stopped and whirled around and kicks him pretty hard and has like flipped his own knee in the reverse direction. Yeah. It's like a, what is it like a Fran Tarkenton kick or something? Is that the quarterback? You're like, <laughs> Blew out his knee and had the floppy leg. 
Let's go back to all those kickers episodes where I'm like, what football? <laughs> Um, it's like if your if your knee was like a ball joint and it could just spin like a helicopter. Like that's apparently this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, beyond very flexible. He's got some sort of an unnatural, almost para ability, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And he has um, knocked Thomas over with it. And then as he's lying on the ground, it's like fists everywhere. At first, I thought this was just like super speed. You know what I mean? Right. Because like Thomas is down and suddenly it's like six fists fists on him. And um, but yeah, the guy hefts Thomas up. They are like on the second level and um, he just throws him over the side of the balcony. He says, uh, smile for the camera, boydy boy catch girls very weird stuff kathy and uh stassi are down below kathy uses her telekinetic power to cushion his fall he falls into a fountain so maybe people don't realize it looks that weird and stassi goes over and tries to heal him and she glows up a storm while she's doing it but thomas was beaten up pretty quickly but pretty badly there so uh, her healing power comes in pretty handy. Um, they get up and make to take off. Uh, and people are kind of giving them the fish eye. Hey, did you see that? Freaks, if you ask me. Oh, and Kathy says she's got the earring. So I guess it will come back later. Did she steal it or did she pay for it? <laughs> One of those. <laughs> sure. Um... Above this, we we get a couple panels of a watcher who is a mysterious man, sees and hears everything that occurred. The information is turned into electronic data and transmitted elsewhere. Sounds like he's some sort of futuristic Wi-Fi device. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So next page, we're hours later in the backyard at Sanctuary, home for teenage runaways. And it's, of course, quite spacious. Uh, sort of a gym yard. Um, I think the boys are sunning themselves. Uh, Tyron's shooting hoops, and they're staying around talking about the weird people they both met that day. I guess. Um, they, as Thomas Thomas says, uh, getting the crud kicked out of me by some guy with a slinky in his legs is pretty weird. Um, Tyrone. Nick takes a very quick um, ghost reconnoiter around the neighborhood, comes back like all while he's uh, jumping up to uh, dunk the basketball and uh, like this motion projection says that there's no one around for blocks. Thomas compliments him on how quick he's doing that now. And then, but then continues that there's something going on and there's someone watching us. And we now cut on the next page to November 2nd in Washington, D.C. And it is a person we haven't seen before, although we got a, um, what do you call it? One of those like bits of um, information from the new universe in the last month's uh universe news oh like the newspaper uh, clippings right right 
there was last month there was something that was um talking about the medusa web and something else and it was said it was from the desk of andrew chaser uh, okay so that's as much as i know about where this came from we, we get um sort of a a little bit more narration from a first person who's saying that he's going to meet a uh, source. He's a reporter and his name is Andrew Chaser. I'm a freelance reporter, Rolling Stone, Omni, Playboy. Do any of those exist anymore? Mm, I, I believe Rolling, Rolling Stone, Stone still does, yes. Oh, yeah. Somehow. Uh, wouldn't have been my choice, but okay. He says, my friend and I just completed a piece for the Philadelphia Inquirer. It might win us an award or two. Uh, um, he takes a uh, tape recorder in to meet uh, a source, sits down at uh, a booth, and then a person sitting sort of behind him at the next booth starts talking to him. He calls him, the, I wouldn't even be here tonight if it weren't for the leaker. <laughs> That's a terrible nickname. <laughs> It's like there's a puddle everywhere he's sitting. <laughs> His drink does look suspiciously yellow. This uh, this Andrew Chaser sits down, and the, this the leaker says, "Evening scoop, short and sweet." Um, I found out what happened to Licardo, the uh, scientist from the last issue. He was going on some testing on a group of paranormal children. One of them got out of hand. I hear he's quite comfortable in the straight jacket. So he, Chaser is thinking to himself that Licardo was a big break for him three years ago. The guy gave him an interview and it turned into a big story. And then he's saying, but paranormals, you got to be kidding. I mean, we've all heard the rumors, but I got to find out what happened then. The guy sits, stands up and starts walking away and is like, I know what you're thinking. Paranormals might exist. You saw that star brand guy on TV. Find out all you can about Emmett Proudhawk, an ex-CIA agent. He went rogue a year ago. By the way, good piece in the, the Inquirer. Oh, thanks. thanks. Um, Chaser continues thinking, the leaker is my main contact in the CIA. He always manages to tell me the things I need to know. I am definitely being run around by the deep state. Yeah, and <laughs> I publicize the things they want me to publicize and hide the things they want me to hide. <laughs> anyway, um, Chaser pays off the bar tab and thinks to himself, Emmett Proudhawk, what am I getting myself into? Nothing good, man. We now turn to November 11th at the Siberian Project, which... Um, Looks like a maximum security prison from like this overhead shot we get. Um, we get Serge Vladimirov woken up, uh, someone waking him up, and the guy says, Rodstvau said he'd speak with you. When? Right now. So Serge grabs a uh, nightgown. What do you call that? Yeah, just a robe, I guess. Yeah, a robe, and uh, runs across the Siberian project, I guess, while he's uh, thinking to himself a little about um, what's been going on with him. He's uh, he gets to the door, tells the other guy to stand back, ta knocks on the door, and goes inside. 
Come in, Vladimirov. His voice is like sizzling oil. And I'm not really sure it's a voice so much as like some psychic projection, but. Can you set your Russian accent to sizzling oil? I cannot. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> a little. I must discuss an urgent uh, state matter with you. Something in the United States requires your um, attention. Silence. <laughs> you speak of the children, the ones who have eluded you time and again. We see little uh, visuals of the five Cyforce uh, kids, including Boyd. Yeah, Boyd. My uh, efforts have been with you in mind. The Inution girl. Yeah, she's a healer. She can help with your uh, skin condition. Skin condition! Ha 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 ha! You are funny. I didn't know humor was a prerequisite for the KGB now. Let's dispense of the trivialities, shall we? I know why you want me to hunt the children, you duplicitous piece of flesh. You want their fusion. You want the Psyhawk. We say a big visual of that. No, really, it's about your dry elbows. <laughs> Don't, afraid. Don't be. This creature is a brisk breeze. I am a hurricane. A killer hurricane. Let me mix my metaphors. <laughs> I will do what you want, Vladimirov. I will kill the children for you. Wait, wait, no. I want them captured, not killed. <laughs> so Yeah, at the end we finally get like a peek of the guy from the cover. Yeah, that so, so maybe they were considering those weird like energy bits on him? Is that what he's Something about? is yeah. Part of his power and his like these weird pieces of him are all connected and he doesn't seem very um controllable, like but um well, so far he can he can burn people up if he's sitting next to them. He can kill and perhaps hear from a distance. And he's got like psychic projections and also maybe teleporting. Yeah, I'm I was thinking of him as like something like Wayne plus the star brand. I don't know quite like it seems like very telekinetic, tele, telepathic, telepathic. Um, and then what? Flame is pyrokinetic. Okay. Mm. But whatever he is, he's got several um, powers, obviously. And basically the Siberian project, which was the clinic of Russia, is all everyone's scared of him and unable to do anything to control him. So he's a little bit more than, uh, what you call it, Philip Nolan Voigt, who just was kind of a administrator with superpowers. <laughs> so um, if you had the the boosted, like Voigt could take Rodstavow's powers and have a stronger version of them. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Keep going to Wisconsin there, Rodstvow. Let's see if we can take on Void. <laughs> November 25th, we are back to Sanctuary, and Colby Shaw, our old friend and mentor, mm. uh, is like, Thomas, phone call for you. Who is it, Colby? Um, he goes, and it's, hey, boy, the boy, how your face looking? 
Golden Gate Park, midnight. Where's Jessup lost his ball? Click. So uh, Colby's asking uh, what who it was, and uh, Wayne and Thomas start communicating telepathically. It's that troublemaker again. And uh, the other members get summoned. Likewise, he wants to meet us at midnight at Golden Gate Park. So the girls and Tyrone are, and everyone's ready to go. Colby, uh, as they're headed for the door, is like, hold it. It's past 11. Where do you think you're going? Don't press us, Shaw. We got to take care of something. And you were right the first time. It's better if you don't know. Hmm. Power dynamic has shifted a bit there. Yeah. They were talking about uh, Wayne's birthday, which I don't think we got. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get it in the next page, but. Colby is like, I, they don't trust me ever since foundations. They've been wound too tight. Um, Yeah. Colby has also lost control of whatever. Last year, she was just tossing them to the curb at Christmas time. And now she's like, could you guys tell me what's going on? Nope. Okay. Um, She thinks something bad is going to happen to him. Um, uh, We see the crowd is now in Golden Gate Park, and we know whoever this guy is, he's been watching us for months. Knows us, knows what he wants out of us. Cowabunga, kitties! Trouble make us back! This guy jumps Tarzan-style at them, knocks Thomas and uh, Tyrone over, and then says, sorry I missed your birthday, Tucker. So... We Yeah, now Tucker has that uh, cross earring on. So I guess we skipped right over his birthday, and he's maybe, so 18 now, you're thinking? I would assume so, yeah. Since the next line is like, so now that you're an adult, fight like a man, so. Right. So yeah, this guy uh, is flipping around in his weird way. Yeah. Says, now you're an adult, fight like a man. So, yeah, Cyforce is growing up like a man, not a boy. Wayne. He d- takes a big uh, swing at, at Wayne and looks like he uh, connected pretty strongly. Um, Stasi starts uh, heading over there, but the guy grabs her in a headlock. Anastasia, darling, no healing allowed. Can't sneak by a quadruple jointed guy. Pinched nerve, bet it hurts. Physician, heal thyself. So, uh, this guy is annoying. <laughs> his power is being quadruple jointed and annoying you with his talk. Um, <laughs> also, some kind of ridiculous combat expert. Yeah, it's like a raggedy man. I don't know. It's kind of weird how he, he you know, his, um, yeah, so Lim's figure work here, you have to be pretty generous because the guy is purposefully being just, you know, all these unnatural positions. So Boyd looks at Stasi and is like pretty upset. Get the hell away from her. He's uh, doing a flying kick at the guy, but the guy just drops out of uh, range. You gots to be kidding me. How much money did the government spend on your training, Boyd? You're supposed to be tough. Now let's yow. That's uh, Tyrone going ghost-like through him. Um, the guy heads into the woods thinking about imprint. 
Um, and the kids say, he's getting away. Let's go after him. So yeah, something okay. about Tyrone flying through him like must have changed what was going on. Like He's kind of working through imprint in some way. It was able to block Wayne's powers. And mm-hmm. like there was some of that talk in like the again in the, the new universe notes of like, you know, Tyrone might have the most amazing or must be the might be the most powerful paranormal in existence or something. So seems like some kind of disruptive when we pass through you uh kind of power yeah, things remember going he, on. If he's done that before when he would like go through TVs and stuff, maybe. I know they showed it recently, but previously I don't think that he interfered with stuff, but Mm, powering up maybe yeah powering up so they go through the woods uh trying to follow the guy and kathy is grossed out by well woods and (laughs) um we get to uh sort of an ocean view which golden gate park Mm, not sure um but uh yeah thomas and this guy troublemaker are fighting kathy lifts the guy off the ground and um thomas is like you want to see me use my power and my training but why because i'm getting paid to make you babies strut your stuff my boss figures the only way to wise you guys up is by making you fight back okay <laughs> thomas <laughs> is like that's fine ling holds him in uh his her uh telekinetic hold and Thomas just punches him like seriously. <laughs> uh, he does this uh, thinking to himself that he's, you know, punching and leeching energy from him in the way that he was trained. So he's strengthening himself, uh, weakening his opponent, and he's just punching, punching, punching. <laughs> I think he's kind of mad at the guy by this point. Well, he got beat up twice already, I think. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was an interesting line, though, because he says, you know, the only way to wise you, the boss figures, the only way to wise you guys up is by making you fight back. So in the solicitation, it made it sound like okay, these are bad guys and they're out to learn about them and get them, basically. Right. Uh, Though that line makes it kind of sound like, you know, they're more like trying to make them stronger by having them putting them in tough situations or maybe they're trying to recruit them or something. But. Yeah, I know anything yet. I think the uh, I'm trying to remember if it was the solicits or the um, Nicieza interview where he was talking about some of this. And it's like, yeah, some of these these characters are, um, yeah, like a third party or something. So they're not just KGB over again or something. So where Troublemaker is pretty annoying, but that's not to say he's like their blood enemy you know what i mean so right um tyrone weasels out and says that boyd is killing the guy we've got to stop him oh no stop please (laughs) they really seem to have a problem with uh boyd saving the day (laughs) yeah getting results that's what we call it over in justice um (laughs) like I guess Wayne stops him, maybe. Tucker, what are you? And uh, Wayne's, is it Wayne or Tyrone? Is like, what's your problem, Boyd? Second time you've gone Rambo on us. You get off and pe- beating people into paste? 
No, I just do to others unto others uh first. Um so Wayne now tries to shake down Troublemaker. What's your scam, Slinky? And uh <laughs> he's kind of too uh beat up to talk well, but just look over the tree over there. And uh, they see there's a camera that's been watching him. Was hired to spy on you. Get your powers on film. <laughs> well, you did a great job, Gumby. Take this to your boss. Um, we don't give a twig about you and your boss. We're out of, after us, but if you ever jerk us around again, we're gonna kill you. Um, Stasi is like, don't say you're sorry unless you really mean it. Wait. This poor man. And she goes over to Troublemaker and Thomas is like, wait a minute. What are you doing? Are you healing him? <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's what I do. What? Stasi? Not the time. Not the place. Um, she says, let's go home, Thomas. Let me heal you. Hmm. <laughs> Troublemaker gets up and thinks, or no, says, good as new, could use that gal in the Medusa web. I oh, hear it is. Would save Babel a fortune in medical bills. <laughs> and as this other character comes out from the shadows, man, I'm getting tired of playing point man for these info gathering jobs. There's got to be a safer way to do our recruiting. What do you think, imprint old pal? I know, I know. I push a little too far sometimes. That's why they call me the troublemaker. Also, I don't have any friends or close relationships. I I would call him annoying rubber man, but I guess we could go with troublemaker. It didn't fit on the t-shirt. I mean, yeah. Anyway. He says, uh, they think they ruined the film, but we got all the pictures we need, don't we? Right. Magic in the eyes. My pal, the walk-in video recorder. And they talk about how Jessup like, screwed up their electronics before, which they didn't expect. So uh, Imprint seems to be able to watch things and turn convert it into um video recording somehow yeah and also somehow like connect people to person you know so he was able to kind of like allow troublemaker to talk inside wayne's head yeah but the part where i'm i'm not sure whether like he is recording things like through his own eyes or through Troublemaker's eyes. You know, do you think that was I part of it? I think he was also? recording through Troublemaker's eyes until Tyrone threw, flew through him. That broke the connection. So then he had to run over to the waterway uh, where the camera was to kind of like and keep going, basically. Or or maybe he was running to imprint because uh, he was out there hiding like further away. Okay. Okay. It's a little confusing, but I think that's kind of about it. I'll go with that. Oh, your, your logic has defeated me. Also, imprint maybe doesn't speak. Yeah, possibly mute, possibly an albino. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. He's very fair and light-haired. I, I can't quite make out what's up with the eyes there. We'll see if he comes back. Um, back at Sanctuary, Thomas and Stasi are talking. I don't know. I, I, I get sometimes Stas. I get so mad that people harass us and stuff. I was trained to kill. I can do it. I know. The question is, do you want to? 
<laughs> Sometimes tonight, but I didn't. That's not good enough. Make your training. Use your training to make us better. Not at hurting anyone. At caring, not killing. Stas, I care. I know. I do too. But I'm afraid of you. Can we heal each other? And then there's a kiss. Oh, a sparkly kiss. Super sparkly. They have like weird power synergy or compatibility or repelling kind of things. Yeah, I wasn't sure that would work with if they, uh, uh, yeah. But uh, I guess so. It seems quite, uh, I don't know, positive interaction there. Um, Our first Cyforce makeout sesh. Ah, finally. Unless there was something going on we didn't see behind the scenes before, which uh, I don't know. Well, Kathy had a date, but then he tried to like rope her into a pedophile ring, so <laughs> making movies. Yeah, and I don't know. The only other uh, female we see in Sanctuary is Colby, and uh, <laughs> pass hard to pass. So um, we turn the page, and Wayne is. Uh, notices them making out and it's like oh uh, i feel bad spying on him should i tell the others colby is there and wayne where's stassi right behind us with boyd everything's okay told colby trust us please i fine i'll try we start fresh in the morning fair enough so wayne goes up to the other kathy and tyrone and uh Kathy uh, laughs that uh, Tyrone is sleeping already. Um, he t- Wayne then says, I can't believe we're fighting a, ru- a human rubber band one minute and laughing the next. Kath, maybe I should shut my mouth, but I saw Stassi and Boyd outside. They, ah! <laughs> he uh, screams as if he's got a psychic attack, falls on the ground, and Kathy just says, Wayne, what is it? We then cut outside where the narration boxes tell us it has taken him two weeks of constant teleportation to cross the Bering Strait, Alaska, south into Canada, and into California. Yeah, it's called Oregon. Thanks for mentioning us. Okay. The journey has exhausted him. He wanted to face them, test his strength in a fair fight. And we see Rudstvau, um, who's wearing like military pants and boots, but is uh, shirtless. And is sort of flying above sanctuary. And that's in the powers list. He can fly. His uh, sort of power is sort of humming off, off of him. And uh, he says he wanted to test them in a fair fight, but he is not a fool. There will be other times and other paranormals. He sort of smiles to himself and flicks his wrist. And he says, for now, he will be content with the most expedient way to deal with his enemies. The total Pretty destruction big. of Sanctuary. <laughs> what? Jeez. <laughs> That's quite a page turn. Yeah, the last page is a splash of Sanctuary blowing up. The end? Ah. <laughs> ah. Hopefully our friends were in uh, Sanctuary sub-basement F. I mean, A through uh, D are uh, possible to blow up, but I think E and below are like bomb um, 
shelters. So <laughs> maybe let's hope. I mean, this guy must be infinitely powerful if he can blow up the infinite uh, square footage of the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it like the power disperses as it goes through the ultimate the uh, multiple dimensions <laughs> probably um, it was quite a shocking and surprising ending yeah they had said something about like don't blow up colby or something before um was, and if that weren't enough the sanctuary's director colby shaw finally blows up <laughs> right, right which we assumed meant got angry <laughs> i'm gonna kick you guys out again Oh, come on. Another empty threat, Colby. You you had your best shot. Um yeah, wow. So Sanctuary blown up. This is um along with, you know, like we said, the various other developments, Wayne's eighteen. Um the kids are all acting much more yeah, like they've got senioritis. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's definitely yeah part of the i guess new direction is outside of sanctuary we'll see where they go next pretty sure the new direction of the new universe is lots of explosions yeah i could buy that it's like um they wanted something more action-based and less um you know sitting around talking so perhaps um i remember when um Grant Morrison was talking about one like rebooting the Invisibles, that it was going to be like the this time it was going to be the action movie version of it, the Hollywood, you know, wall to wall explosion version, because no one wanted the like Vertigo standing around talking about philosophy version. So <laughs> There's only so much of that you can handle. I guess. So wow. Sci four seventeen eh? ending on a cliffhanger or an explosion or something. All of Sci Force when we last we saw them were inside Sanctuary, and this I don't know like what were you Omega level mutant paranormal yeah <laughs> Rodstvo Rodstvo um, has like taken the first shot and uh, Troublemaker and Imprint were pretty minor league compared to whatever this guy is all about. Yeah, so we have like two new organizations, right? There's the Siberian Project and the Medusa Network. And then there's a new reporter who's going to be looking into them. Um, but yeah, it's set up pretty neat because, I mean, you got to figure they're not going to kill all of the Psy Force characters because the book continues, right? It's like the cartoon thing. Like, you know, sure, it ends in a giant explosion, but they're probably not all dead. Um, but Tyrone would have gone, been a, right. So this would have been pretty hard to uh, get rid of Crawley this way. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't think that would have fallen. Yeah, would have been too much. But. but Tyrone was out of his body. He had flown out, um, and we don't know for sure that like the times connect perfectly, right? So like the timing of like Wayne collapsing and. Rod Stavow showing up, right? So I think that's the out if there is one is like maybe Tyrone returns and warns them or maybe they realize something's wrong because of what happened to Wayne and are able to, you know, sneak out the back or something. But, but yeah, 
no no guarantee that they all survive this thing right that's um you know this i had to say i mean we've upped the ante here considerably and i was saying to uh, andy before the show this feels like one and a half issues at least it's yeah like a lot going on my goodness it's I don't know. Like I say, it really feels like it's pushing into the '90s here. Um, although it's not like it's it's like the art style is more like that, but it's not like so open when like the guys just didn't care about the writing and it was all about the art. So we've got this sort of um, dense plotting and dialogue of an '80s comic, like sort of transitioning into the high action high octane action of a 90s comic so very interesting stuff yeah it's definitely a lot of i mean because there's a lot of like heavy multi-panel pages with lots of dialogue but then there's you know a fair amount of you know big open you know splash pages and and half splashes and stuff so and uh, again i'm enjoying ron Lim here um yeah ron's great I remember reading stuff he did at the like not too long after this, maybe Silver Surfer, uh, or Gardens of the Galaxy. Hmm. Silver Surfer, I want to say. Um, couple of yeah, he did like Infinity Gauntlet only a couple of years later, maybe. Um, yeah, this is great stuff, quite enjoyable. Hmm, anything else? We've got. Siberian project is interesting. Um, see if there's anything more coming out of that, or it's just this one super beast. The reporter, I have no idea where they're going with that, except that like the leaker, he knows that the leaker is CIA, so the CIA is still involved in the book. So, hmm. maybe it's the skipper working behind the scenes to try and finally help them out. <laughs> Where you at, Skipper? (laughs) (laughs) I was looking through my notes and it was like all the way back in like issue six. I'm starting to like, is is Skipper coming back? Like he said he was going to help him out. (laughs) I will never give up on Skipper. I can't believe you have already. I think we haven't seen him since issue two. So (laughs) just. Give him time. I don't know, man. It's you know who's to say. Wheels, wheels are in motion. <laughs> yeah, that like the reporter was in DC. That's where Skipper was last time we saw him. Right. Yeah. Are you sure the leaker wasn't? You know the skipper. Maybe he's like slightly incontinent. He's an old man. We know that. Right. <laughs> you can call me the leaker. <laughs> Ew. I guess it's better than the puddle. <laughs> or the piddler. Uh, Two slightly more shameful nicknames. <laughs> Once you've run through like every good nickname, you gotta use something sometimes. <laughs> uh, alrighty. Um let's start to a break and um when we come back, we'll look at justice. Well, we gotta grade the issue. Oh no. <laughs> What do I want out of this? Um, <laughs> which issue? The first 90 pages or the last 50 pages? <laughs> hey, you take the good with the bad, I guess, right? 
I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm like B plus A minus. I'm not quite sure which way to go with it. What do you think? I was leaning B plus. Yeah, it's like it's really solid. It's good. Um, there's, I mean, there's maybe a little too much going on, but is it like the know. Christopher Nolan movie? This is great, but it's like goes on forever. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of setup, but it all seems to be kind of going somewhere, and it's also like a good pacing of. You know, action break, action break, action break kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess it is, it is maybe leaning close to A minus, but I'll stick with my B plus gut feeling. Okay, I'll be generous with an A minus just to uh, so in, to bring up its uh, GPA a little there, right? Which we are not saving or recording in any way. <laughs> if anyone out there has recorded all our grades, we. Uh appreciate finding out what it is we've been doing all this time yeah please let us know so we can put our real grade book together i'll i'll send you a bunch of stickers or something perfect all right actual break what yeah (laughs) oh okay let's do that then yeah let's do that All right, welcome back from the break. Hoping you're all feeling rested. We need to give Steven some rest after all of that side force. <laughs> Rodstow needs blood. <laughs> hey, he was tired out from all that teleporting, so got some synergy. But I sleep now. Ah, don't don't bother me. I need my rest. Uh... <laughs> It'd be kind of cool if he just like napped in the middle of the road, but he's like so powerful that he just has nothing to fear from it. You know, like. People can't get near him, kind of thing. I yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever done that with a with a supervillain. Hmm. Well, too late to give this book from 1987 new ideas, I suppose. But <laughs> fresh new ideas, fresh new They're coming out of them. All right, it's justice time. All new, all different, all we don't know what the heck. Justice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Uh, March cover date, March 1988, though, probably came out December 8th, 1987. So a little after our Cyphors. Um, and of course, we're, we're really kind of coming down from the fact that Justice is not actually a Justice warrior from another dimension who fell in love. He was a uh, police officer of some kind who got roped into a weird dream dimension of Daedalus Daddington III. Um, they gave him a cool name two (laughs) pages before he dies what the heck (laughs) Um, and we get some of that recap of kind of what happened to him in this issue so I won't go into it so much but uh, but yeah he's the justice killer now so he is hunting down paranormals who do naughty things and vaporizing them without much difficulty because he's justice that's what he does (laughs) you know it's it's a uh, well. Okay, just go into it. We'll get to it later. 
Yeah. So whatever happened to vaporizing just regular scumbags, I guess would be my question. But yeah, Justice 17 uh, cover is, well, Justice in his new new outfit. So he's got this kind of like purple lightning bolt with a cool cape, uh, white boots and gloves. And it looks like he's falling off of a skyscraper into a city. So it's kind of a neat little perspective. Um, Not seeing any credits on it. One page perspective. Uh, yeah, I would and the main artist, but you're right, I don't see the signature in there. Yeah. But anyway, so op- open up the book, uh, past the M&M's ad. Uh, the book starts kind of interesting. So we don't have our title page with the writers and artists. Uh, it starts from the perspective of someone. So we're kind of like seeing the panels are seeing through his eyes and it starts with just a little black bar and says, no, don't, I can't die. I'm not finished yet. There's more to say, more to do. I'm not. And the, the panel gets a little lighter into white and everything starts to kind of come into focus, kind of like you're opening your eyes. And he says, I'm not finished. I, oh man, what a dream. That white-haired guy with the coat trying to kill me? It was all, uh, hold it, my apartment's wrecked up. Uh, Like it got in the dream. So he's thinking that he dreamed that he was killed. Um, And he's like, oh man, the new TV, my pictures of Kelly. Uh, So there's, we we have a smashed up apartment, you know, furniture tipped over, a bunch of pictures on the wall of a woman who... You know, looks like Marilyn Monroe, and that's even what he says. You know, all the ones where she's posing like Marilyn are okay. Have to reframe the one of her and me. So then we get a picture of the guy, and yeah, so it's just a guy, like dark hair, uh, regular looking dude in a pocket shirt, um, and he is apparently a lawyer. His legal diploma is on there. So so yeah, basically what we've got is a guy maybe dreamed about dying. But opens his eyes and he's in a smashed up apartment, his apartment. Um, so he kind of starts exploring and like, pull yourself together, man. There, there wasn't a fight, remember? Maybe you just imagined it. All those articles about the justice killer got you of thinking. Of course, it's more. a dream. <laughs> of course, it's a dream. <laughs> it's like, how did the apartment get messed up? Uh, it's like, maybe you were sleepwalking. Maybe the dream felt so real. I was thrashing around um he tells a joke is like the old gag about the guy who dreamt he ate a five pound marshmallow and then woke up and his pillow was gone which i'd never heard which but that's honestly kind of funny (laughs) (laughs) it is Um, an old one i i've heard it before but then as he's looking into uh, another room there's a smell a pile of ash in the shape of a body a hand and the justice scales sort of partially scrawled into the body so this this is how justice has been killing people like vaporizing them but leaving their hand so they can be identified and leaving their head so it's clear like who this person is um and so it's like oh man like someone was killed here someone was killed in my apartment and then we see again we're looking kind of first person so you can see the hands but it's like a purple outfit and gloves so you know, it's kind of clear, I guess, from here uh, that he's looking through Justice's eyes here, which is kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, the guy starts to sort of panic. It's like, these aren't my clothes. 
Like, what are the facts? I'm in my apartment, my den, wearing somebody else's clothes, and lying on the floor to the left is my body. And no, he, he basically sees his own dism dismembered head <laughs> lying on the floor. <laughs> so it's a pretty cool opener. But yeah, so, so the guy is somehow transferred his mind into Justice's body who had just killed him. <laughs> oh. Um it's all like a twilight zone opening or something indeed <laughs> so yeah he shouts out he's like that's not my voice he runs to the bathroom you know i'm eric quinn <laughs> if i'm not eric quinn then oh my god i am justice, justice. yeah thank you i wasn't he's sure if you could pick up on that <laughs> he's not in the uh title uh logo again but that's yeah. changed anyway so i'm I miss it, I guess. If we but... ever see it again, I will. So yeah, we, page four is our splash page of Justice looking in the mirror, but like sh shocked and surprised because it's some other guy kind of in his head. Uh, the title of the story is Spirit Against the Flesh, written by Peter David, penciled by Lee Weeks, inked by Dizuniga. So here's our regular creative teams coming at you again. Mm, nice. Yeah, so then he kind of remembers. So like maybe I knew from the beginning, but I didn't want to admit it. Uh, so he's remembering. And so we kind of get to see a recap of what actually happened to this guy. Uh, so we see Justice kicks in his door with an Eric Quinn, you have abused your power. <laughs> and he says, I offered him money, anything. And he shot some crazy energy beam at me. And we see it blasting the TV. He's like, I realized he only wanted one thing to kill me. Uh, so like he <laughs> this guy really clues into what justice is all about pretty quick yeah that's spot on man <laughs> uh, he puts up a little bit of a fight so he goes into the kitchen he's got a revolver in a drawer so he pulls a gun uh, but it's blocked by the shield and he just pointed and my bullets didn't get near him he says yeah, so he chucks the gun, you know, goes running, you know, like, I stank with fear and I ran and I thought, please, I can't die now. I'm not ready. So he basically goes and runs for a wind, runs to jump out the window and he says, and then there is nothing but light and pain. So I guess that's the vaporization point. So we get, we got to experience through this guy's eyes what it's like to get vaporized by justice, I suppose. That's kind of fun. Much more gentle than I expected. I guess. <laughs> ah, nothing yeah. but pain. What? <laughs> searing nerves on fire. Um, it's kind of interesting. It says, and then my laugh, my life flashed in front of my eyes, but it was someone else's life. Um, and so we get a big panel of I guess Tenson, John Tenson, as we learned, uh and his life and so there's a woman and you know maybe her kid and younger kid there's a gun going off the department of justice uh we get uh daedalus uh both in uh winterlands version where he's kind of viking looking and menacing and like regular boss version the scales of justice uh, night masks in there. His, his like um boss of the fbi or whatever it was is it i thought it was i thought it was the real guy maybe but yeah, you're probably right. That's my guess. I kind of like the the split thing, like the bad guy in real life and the bad guy in phantom life. But I guess I, I made that up myself. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, 
I, yeah, it would have been cool to do it that way. I think the, um, the, the whatever side of he's on like the image of him as like Miami vice guy and night mask oddly. And this other guy are all on one side. And then this Daedalus and some of the, you know, if you, these women it's not clear who they are yet um yeah in the last issue we had that page where like he was on the news justice was in the news and there was some girl screaming daddy (laughs) so we can kind of assume there's a connection there we we find out later but uh so yeah so the guy kind of blacks out and justice wakes back up in his own body um he's actually kind of like you know not the stoic warrior he's like did someone get the license number of that paranormal as he's getting up uh so how did i wind up in quinn's bathroom so presumably after he vaporized him then the guy jumped into justice's body controlled him without justice knowing it and so he kind of wakes up in a new spot um he's like i remember starting to trace the scales in quinn's ashes and then nothing still feel off kilter from what happened can't have that Justice always has to remain balanced. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but the police bust in. Yeah. So, okay, response time, guys. Uh, it's clearly a wealthier neighborhood. Um, <laughs> yeah. Police are like, don't move. Neighborhoods report, neighbors reported a disturbance. Justice is just like, indeed. <laughs> he doesn't care. So like, you're at a, like a murder scene and you're like blacking out several times. <laughs> <laughs> it's not stressing you about it, though cops got nothing um it's like hey we know this guy like this is the justice killer um justice just kind of hold is just kind of standing there she's like raise your hands up now he's like are you certain my hands are deadly weapons and like one of them's <laughs> glowing he's like what do you know karate smart guy <laughs> like no um so he actually kind of raises his hand and, and puts up like a blinding flash um which stuns the police who he doesn't want to kill uh it gives him time to jump out the window you know which you know his escaped paranormal was trying to do in the first place um it's kind of a new use of the power and he even's kind of thinking about that it's like i didn't even know i could do that i wasn't sure that was going to work um but then he's up high and uh, so at a very tall top of a tall building using his shield as a platform which he did a little while ago too so some kind of new uses of the powers um but just as he's going into his, his justice narrative uh my powers are absolute on earth absolute power corrupts abs uh, <laughs> uh, and then the other guy wakes back up in his body so um the eric quinn snaps back into justice and and he's but he was floating in the middle of the sky on his shield power so he's like where am i and basically just starts falling <laughs> automatically um so yeah, so not sure exactly how that ends because we transition into like a forest and a cliff and there's mushrooms and both Eric, the paranormal who can jump bodies and Justice are there. So this is like the spirit world or the world inside his mind or something like that. Uh, it's silly. not the far side, uh, that which, which is kind of what I was expecting if you're going to go... <laughs> but okay yeah but he's like where am i what's this weird glow he's like uh you're here within my subconscious 
<laughs> Please ignore the changing backgrounds. They don't matter. So he's like changing his Zoom background or something. Um, it's like, but for the latter, it's the glow. So he said, what is this weird glow? It's the glow I see around any paranormal. The glow that tells me judgment is required. Hmm. Um, so maybe this is the new power set instead of just seeing good and evil auras in everyone he just he can see paranormals yeah i i can't quite make out from this like how much has changed and whether it's changed because he's gotten out of daedalus's dream world or like his powers are just evolving or what yeah but we'll find out as as the comic goes on, I guess, if you can still see like the green auras of of, of evil and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so he's like, he's like, you, you're the one who is like killed you. Yes, <laughs> won't mince words, Mister Quinn, since your time is limited. Um, the guy's trying to get all lawyer on him. He's like, softly, Mister Quinn, don't get out of my nerves. <laughs> he's like. Uh, I know of your ability to leave your physical body and project your consciousness into another. Usually you must relax to do it. So I'm a bit surprised that you managed to project yourself into me before you died. And now I get you, I can't get you out of my mind, so to speak. <laughs> Just kind of stuck with them. He says, but I'm not concerned. Uh, so yeah, the background does keep changing, uh, like into, into the woods, onto a tree, the guy's on a horse and justice isn't like in the old west so the subconscious world is kind of random i guess um uh, quinn takes a run at him he's like I, maybe i can take over your mind for good uh but justice just basically just kind of slaps him down like with with no no effort right he's just yeah bam Get out of the way buddy he's like it's like don't even think it because i'll know <laughs> um He's like, why have you done this? I wasn't ready to die. I had more to do. I had a brief tomorrow. He's like, I don't even know if I believe all of this. I don't feel dead. He's like, are you experienced in feeling dead? <laughs> He's like, this isn't funny. And he's like, no, it isn't. Nor was your crime, which warranted my judgment. Remember this, your final date with Kelly, your beloved Marilyn Monroe lookalike. So I guess in Justice's subconscious, we can now do the like ghost of Christmas past kind of thing. It's just whoosh. Doodaloo, doodaloo, doodaloo. Now we will see this time where you were a real mega jerk. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we, we cut to a scene of Eric and his girlfriend, Kelly, um, in a bar or a restaurant, and they're just kind of chatting. You know, he calls her Cookie, and that annoys her. Um, basically, she's breaking up with him there and breaking up. And she's like, oh, it's just a physical relationship. You'll find somebody better. It's not you, it's me. Something, something. I found someone else about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Ouch. Ouch. Uh, it's just funny. She says, Eric, you don't have a personality. It's always been purely physical things with us. It's like, please, baby, I'll do anything. It's like, geez, he's already waiting for me back at my apartment. It's <laughs> like, it's like, come on, smile, Eric. It was fun. You'll find the real thing someday, just like I found Hugo. Um, so this sets Eric off. And he's like, as she leaves the bar, he's pounding the table. I'll kill him. I'll swear I'll kill him. Um, and yeah, so you know, he said he gets drunk. Uh, he goes to his apartment. He's sitting in his easy chair. And his power projection is interesting. So he kind of like sends like a glowing orange, you know, shadow form almost like it doesn't have a lot of detail it doesn't look it has a like a faint outline of a person kind of goes flying through space uh 
runs into Hugo, Kelly's new boyfriend, and just kind of like snaps in and, and he takes him over. Uh, and he's not subtle. Like you could have just been like, forget you, baby, we're breaking up. And like she would have maybe been back on the market. Uh, instead, he just flips out inside poor Hugo's body and says, how could you do it? Eric Quinn was nothing to you, was he? Did you really think he'd sit still for it? You threw him over for me. Well, I'm throwing me over for him. And he takes poor Hugo's body and jumps off the balcony. <laughs> Splat. Ouch. <laughs> so yeah, I guess this guy probably did deserve to die. Justice has got a pretty good track record with that. Uh, so we, we cut back to the subconscious realm. Uh, Eric's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry is irrelevant. Only evening the scales matters. You abused your gift and justice was done. <laughs> uh, and so he's like, oh yeah, who made you judge, jury, and executioner? Huh? You don't need your... You don't need a few drinks to stiffen your spine. You kill with your gift in cold blood. What makes you better than me, Mr. John Tenson? And he's like, so, <gasps> so you know. <laughs> I'll have to kill you. Oh, wait, oh, no, I already, already did. That. Uh, it's already taken care of. It's like, I know. So he knows his name. Uh, so names flew at me when I first jumped into your mind. It's all a blur. And it's like, it takes a little interlude. Look, Tenson, I'd really like to know. To know, you know all about me, but I don't know anything about you, the man who killed me. That doesn't seem just. <laughs> Honestly, it seems a little cheesy. It's like, I'm dead. Uh, maybe clinging to one last bit of paranormal life and like, hey, can you tell me your backstory for the audience, reader's convenience? <laughs> uh, but Justice is down. So he's like, yeah, very well. So as you know, John Tenson, John Roger Tenson. So J.R. Tenson. Yeehaw. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. It's a little I mean, we're growing back to childhood here, so we're getting uh, <laughs> the deep background on Johnny Tenson. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. So, you know, he said he's always liked being the good guy, the man with the white hat, you know, got into fights in high school and, you know, some thugs offered him drugs and people called him a narc and he thought it was a compliment. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he said, you know, he didn't really have a lot of friends. His one friend was Irene. Uh, and even straight and narrow narc Tenson needed companionship, which sounds a bit robotic. So he got married uh, straight out of high school. Uh, her parents weren't happy. Uh, had a kid the next year. So his, um, his wife is Irene. Uh, his daughter is Angela. So we're getting some, some human names here. Uh, and he had the white hair pretty much all the way throughout. So he looks a little bit wand in the earlier pages and then once as soon as he got married he turned white <laughs> yeah i know hard. how that feels uh <laughs> yeah i mean i've seen guys go bald early but gray i don't know not yeah. the like 20s i mean um yeah, yeah it's a uh, he's looking like magna conti some some now that i think about it with the yeah, with the plain haircut without the, the justice mullet, he, he looks a little 
similar to Magna Conti. Magna Conti was maybe a little wavier hair, but yeah, but it's still yeah. a little strange that two of the main characters had white hair. But oh well. Um, but yeah, so he got married. You know, uh, he went to college to study uh, to end up working for the Just- Justice Department Narcotics Division. Um, she worked and eventually wanted to become a teacher. You know, so yeah, he was really successful, worked his way up, top investigator, busted a lot of perps, that kind of thing. Uh, felt invincible until one day, uh, this is very movie, you know, her car wouldn't start. So she took his, uh, but the classic car bomb. So he's there in front of his nice house with his daughter, Angela, waving goodbye as the as his wife starts the car and wreck a blam. <laughs> Car is no more. Uh, Mm. He says, I later busted the scum responsible, but the damage was done. Slowly, I withdrew into myself, became cold and distant. I couldn't even look at Angela because I saw Irene in her face. Um, Wow. Cold and distant. Hard to imagine. (laughs) He wasn't that cold and distant when when we were first introduced to him as a man. But anyway. um, So... Is by the time his daughter went to college, so if he got married at like 18, had her at like 19, and then another 18 years, so he's like 37. Yeah, I was saying this, yeah. I remember before that, like, he'd be it wouldn't be impossible for him to have kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the way he, I mean, he's a few years younger than Mark Hazard, um. But not like there's the old guy. It's just, yeah, like a mature. Yeah. Mark Hazard, John Tenson team up would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> here, you kill the paranormals. I'll kill the regular scumbags. And we got a thing going on here. <laughs> oh, well. Um, <sighs> so, yeah. So we cut too close. I think to... we finally found my partner. Yeah. <laughs> buddies friends for life <laughs> and one more for the fan fiction wish list uh he says one day my boss boss told me of a major investigation he wanted me to launch against a man named daedalus darkwill <laughs> since name's not suspicious at all i said to myself <laughs> i've got nothing to worry about here uh, see yeah like the boss has always got the the cigar in his hand yeah you're totally right about the boss um but yeah so you know, he took the job but it came right around the time of the white event so he had a bizarre flash you know he's looking right up at it when it happened uh so he started getting headaches and it kind of put him out for a couple of weeks uh when he finally got it back together under control and he met Darkwill. uh basically they drugged him up and sent him into the fantasy world and i think we kind of figured out before is like that's kind of like what he would do he would like get people all whacked out and then kind of turn them into characters and in his weird you know maybe turn them into hounds uh mm. to cause problems and stuff and it's like a world where the forces of winter battled forces of spring and then we fondly remember those uh, uh keith giffen issues and such but uh um he's like it was insane uh but then his own powers surfaced so like his powers forming the sword and shield hand abilities kind of allowed him to escape and kind of snap out of control of daedalus and dark will dad um but then 
Um, he was still kind of messed up and thought he was this justice warrior. And so he was playing part of the fantasy until, you know, eventually sought help and with night mask and kind of, you know, pulled the veil out and realized what was going on that, you know, uh, that, that was it two issues ago, I guess. Right. Or one issue. Yeah. Two issues ago. Kind of thing. (laughs) It's like, does that answer your question? Like dead guy. (laughs) There's my whole life story that I told you for some reason. Uh, it's like your order aura is fading. Your time is running short. Um, so this guy's being awfully nice to killer Eric. Justice is being awfully nice to killer Eric Quinn and uh, accommodating. I guess he's just trying to wait him out until his essence disappears. But uh, he basically asks for one more. It's like, well, please give me one more. Uh, let me borrow your body one last time. And he goes back to visit Kelly, the girlfriend who broke up with him and didn't care about him that much. Um, so then he took over and <laughs> murdered her boyfriend. Uh, so yeah, good luck making this one right, guy. Um, so yeah, Justice knocks on her door. Um, says, I brought Eric along to uh, apologize. Eric Quinn killed your boyfriend. She's like, ah, get out. She's trying to close him out, but he just pushes open the door. It's like, Eric was a paranormal. He took over Hugo's body and hurled him to his death. Uh, she's like, you're crazy. You're going to call the cops. Um, and Eric kind of takes back over. You know, she can, I guess, recognize him because he's calling her Cookie. Uh, notably, she didn't like that, <laughs> but I guess it would be kind of like you know the code to know that it is in fact eric and not this justice dude with his purple trench coat and such talking to you uh so he's trying to apologize but she's just freaked out and basically backs herself off the same balcony that her boyfriend maybe threw himself to death on or maybe they just both have high up balconies uh where are they living everyone's like you know 50 feet 50 uh stories off the ground here chicago again i don't know i guess <laughs> um but uh eric gets a tiny bit of redemption so he's still controlling the body and uses the shield to give her a little platform so she doesn't fall so she's fallen off but he kind of catches her with the platform uh, i saved you look and he pulls her up and uh you know she just smacks him <laughs> so she's like, just I loved him. You killed him. You monster. You piece of and no more Eric. So Eric finally kind of fades out. Uh, he both, I guess, he saved her, but also was the one who caused her to freak out and almost kill herself anyway. Uh, so I'm not sure he wins many afterlife points for that one. And uh, yeah, this is, we end end pretty much there. Justice is like he's gone, Miss Brewster. He's gone. Uh, where is he? If Dante is correct in the seventh circle, uh, she's like, you know, bring him back. I'm not through with him. Just as closing the door. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's it. She's like, no, don't dare be dead. I got more to say to you. You know, I'm not finished. And she's kind of banging out of the door and kind of crumples into a pile. Not finished. Eric, you scumbag. <laughs> not finished. <laughs> and then the end. Not finished. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of fading away as we like the camera pulls away. She's upset and like lost her last chance to confront the guy mm-hmm. for good or bad. So pl- plus one on the justice kill count only today. So new justice has killed five. 
Okay. And New Justice has got a lot to work towards, but okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, they were definitely going for explanation in this issue. So we were a little light on exactly what happened. You know, some of this wasn't so much new. We just didn't really know anything about John Tenson, the man. Um, and so now they finally gave us like some fill in. Uh, yes, he in fact does have a family. Of course, like every lone dude, his wife died. <laughs> um, but he has a daughter out there who he's clearly estranged from as she uh, recognized him on the television. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have a relationship with her. So, you know. I'm surprised by that angle. Like he gets his memory back slowly and then decides like what his, his mission is going to be. But you would think if you're like, you know, I just remembered I have a daughter somewhere who's still alive. That would still be like a thing you might work towards. Yeah. Well, he also makes no effort of stealth, uh, wears a bright purple superhero looking outfit and just walks around the city of Chicago like nothing's gonna bother him so yeah it's uh i mean what, what it uh that little part where he was saying that my powers seem to be absolute was pretty interesting because i always thought of justice as being fairly mid-range in terms of power but um it's more like creative use of it i guess uh than than like having raw power like star brand would or something but you know, i suppose in the in the new version right and so as john tenson and not extra dimensional justice warrior at this point he has not really run up against anything he couldn't handle and overpower so yeah it's it's interesting to see if he yeah sort of adapts more like now that he's kind of out of this dream structure then he's you know how much of his powers were kind of limited by that you know what i mean right like, oh i can only use this as a sword like you can use this in several ways apparently right or i can only use it in this hand and that kind of stuff right right so something something to look forward to there um but yeah it feels like a bit of a like I said, a Twilight Zone in a lot of it, because for, as far as the story of the uh, the killer Eric Quinn and his girlfriend, who he really wasn't that close to, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're kind of like back and forth on on them because he's kind of shallow, and yet he doesn't want to let go of this girl. I don't know um there were some deep feelings there but um it was all kind of like hard to tell the timeline like how justice had realized that he had killed this other guy hugo because it sort of as the story felt like it was like he sends his spirit out throws the guy off the balcony comes back and like justice is like right there yeah oh, i see you've misused your power time for me to kill you oh so does he like tail people like once he, he just walks around the city sees someone who's glowing paranormal and then follows them around to see if he needs to kill them <laughs> maybe 
Well, like looking at that like ghost form going out, it was like when people would try to track uh, Tyrone and Cyforce. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so that's the question too. Is like we can we know we everybody can see Tyrone, but we don't know if you can actually see his this guy's essence sort of leaving. But it doesn't really matter at this point because he's he's toast. But yeah, so it's kind of yeah, it feels a little shorter than some of the other stories we've seen, like a, a typical justice issue. Maybe without sort of shooting back and forth with like dad and, you know, other interested parties, Becky and everything, just sort of um, as we transition into this new era, we've, we've kind of slimmed the supporting cast down so much that you can, it's interesting to have this uh, one-off character kind of thrown into the mix and seeing things from his point of view and then is he gonna stay with injustice's mind or something no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm guessing they're thinking like all right so how are we gonna explain who john tenson is right you know it would be kind of boring to just have him you know narration box thinking about what his life was or is kind of thing so instead they kind of juice it up like all right so what if the next guy he kills jumps into his body and then we kind of use that as a way to like tell the story because he he learns about john tenson and you know so we get we get to vaporize a guy and then and then do the backstory i suppose yeah well well constructed i'd say that's what i'm really getting the sense a lot of from peter david is he sort of puts things uh what he wants into an entertaining way and is like uh Gives you, you know, if his mandate was, okay, get fill in some backstory, puts it into a good package so you're not like, oh, no. Um, if it's not the most exciting backstory, well, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there is, is, are there clever things to read into like the subconscious, like images that we see, like, they're kind of random but maybe something you know like there's the old west random to me there's i like like where he ends up in the theater together that's a nice touch yeah there's like in the grocery store the grocery store reminded me of sarah yeah me too um it's good good work jeff isherwood you you're your story was so strong it stayed with us for like a year here so yeah um Yes, I mean, there's like a castle, but there's also like a farm and some of it didn't, I I could have accepted like far side and like real world memories, but it, I, you, it was kind of too much in the background to really get a handle on. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, one of those, like, maybe if you had more time, you, you, we, they could have done something like that, but they were probably like, um, this is fine. Okay, let's go with it. Better than a blank color background, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean... And we've kind of come a long way from that. Like, I remember in a lot of the early New Universe issues, like, complaining about, like, the art just being, like, two guys and, and yellow behind them or something, you know? Yeah, that's... All those rushed deadlines deadlines and like new new artists i guess uh, yeah i mean 
having at least some sense of place that also can help set a mood that's really like professional level yeah um let's see what else did we get here so i found the uh the title actually is another biblical quote uh spirit against spirit against the flesh comes from galatians 5 17 oh i should have known that one ah yeah you were so close (laughs) for the flesh lusts against the spirit and, and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish that's good Mm -hmm. interesting we were in deuteronomy last uh last issue i think very old school you got Um, your biblical stuff i got my friend tarkenton look we all have our areas of specialty part of the uh thing that's still bothering me about the tenses background is the um like he when he first came, everyone was like, he doesn't have any fingerprints in the system, no good mug shots, no one's got any idea who this guy is or something. And I can kind of rationalize that as being they sent the guy on super deep cover and so they like erase his his records so okay. that like no one will find it. But or also like would dad's powers have been able to do something like that? I don't right. know. Just physically, I mean, if you can physically change, like, or at least change the way people are in the real world, like the hounds were in the police station kind of fighting them as like monster wolf dudes, right? So maybe he can kind of change the person he was down to the fingerprint a little bit. So, yeah. There's some no prize level rationalizations you can kind of pull off there. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. Let's see. What should I give you? Still, I give it a B plus. I'm happier than average. So, okay. Yeah, I was, I was thinking straight B. Like, it's a kind of an interesting setup, and I think it's well done. Um, not the most exciting issue the guy's already dead it's all in like it's the whole thing's a recap really like a to be honest i was kind of expecting like more of a struggle over who will keep uh tenson's body rather than just he just slaps him down in like one panel (laughs) forget it nope (laughs) not gonna happen see you buddy (laughs) yeah i don't know i seem strangely positive tonight but Ah, let's see. Where are we? Should we talk about some of these cryptic advertisements that are in here? Yeah, that's a good uh, place to go next. We've got at least two advertisements, uh, in-house ads. Um, yeah, so page 16. <laughs> He's got a little lineup. One of these paranormals is going to kill a million people. <laughs> I've I've mentioned this before because it stayed with me a long time. I, uh, it's a, um, it's got a uh, star brand, Ken Connell, uh, antibody from DP seven, Stasi from Cyforce, and Tenson ju- from justice. Of course, new universe on sale now from Marvel. One of these paranormals is going to kill a million people. And what I said before is that, Justice is the only one who would want to. 
Right. <laughs> Imagine he'd be, you know, bring uh, bring the wrath of God down on yeah. the whole I, city. I yes, DP7 kind of has Michael Crawley with the explosive powers. Um, well, it's specific, but I thought like specifically they meant the antibody, which would be an interesting. I'll tell you, I I, I, I was thinking about this before. You've got these four options. It kind of reminded me of um, sometimes uh, uh, what if um, yeah. would have like several alternatives. And I was like, what, you know, maybe you could have like an issue where it's like several short stories with each one of these. How would this character kill the whole, kill a million people? And I was like, maybe the antibody, it's like, it doesn't just stop like one or five coming out of him, like a million come out. And oh, that'd like be cool. <laughs> transition the whole world into anti world. It's like we get uh, displaced or something. Yeah. I suppose if we were like, if it was open to the whole new universe at this point, we would have thought that maybe Rod Stavow, right? So, like, the. The next def- ad is was an explosion right next to the time where he blew up the sanctuary in the previous issue. It was like a double explosion. Uh, so that guy seems pretty intimidating and scary compared to, you know, all of our protagonists. Yeah, you can imagine that that's what they're going for is like, here's a real threat level midnight guy. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, just coming out like, not even a month it's just a week or two before that you know you couldn't be like um here here's the big huge threat without more of a build-up hmm. um i kind of like the ad underneath it of like the marvel superhero pins like hey here's six collectible superhero pins and they're like almost all wolverine <laughs> uh we got three wolverine, 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 wolverine or spider-man or spider-man or it's some other guy. Got a little, um, little mini Punisher in there. Mini Punisher. I was going to say um, Stasi. Like the closest thing I could think of was like a, um, do you remember the Dead Zone? I think like the movie where like a guy can see the future if he touches people and he mm-hmm. is like a politician he shakes hands with. He realizes he's going to set off nuclear war. I was like, maybe Stasi would like save someone's life and it turns out the person who pushes the button right troublemaker <laughs> shouldn't have saved him should not have saved him um i do you know there's something like i don't know it is a good grabber that uh ad but it's like just looking at it the only you know there's only one that has we know of that has the like the power to do it so yeah mm. and then and then the second ad is kind of gives the gives away the game <laughs> oh wait a second <laughs> yeah wait at the way at the end across from the last page we have just a full splash page of a like uh, mushroom cloud with the star brand imposed on it um over a city and it says above if you live in pittsburgh get out now while you still can and the title the pit a new universe bookshelf format special edition by john byrne mark grunewald 
Salbushima and Standrake sail in December. I mean, there could have been a shred of doubt if the explosion didn't have the star brand in the middle of it. Like, you kind of wrecked your ad campaign there, guys. Well, that Marvel age, they kept talking about City X and, like, hedging their bets and stuff. Um, I don't know. You Again, if you're going to do something big, sure, you know, you, you would want to build up to that over, you know, some time. I don't know. More time than this. This is what I'm yeah. saying. So it's a little botched, but I mean, also we're reading it in 2023. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that sort of fall, you've gone from like the summer of annuals, and everyone's kind of not too much change from the first issue. Yeah. Yeah. To, how, much, um, how much change do you want here? Like yeah. all of the change, everything change. You want change? Boy. Okay, kitties. Yeah, so that's where we're headed. The pit, um, which seems to be connected to Pittsburgh, possibly an atom bomb as well. Yeah. Uh, duck better survive, or I'm I'm quitting the podcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. There's what, any, what's uh, the point of going on at that point, right? Uh, it's true. Uh, I do quite enjoy the duck. So at least, at least give me some plausible deniability. It will be a slog for a while. Duck for all along while. was a paranormal with the power to resist explosions. Ah, now we're talking. Um. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, that that'll be a podcast. So we'll we'll get there. We got some a little ways to go for building up before uh, Pittsburgh turns into a pit, though. All right. Uh, Is that it? That's part of our yeah pacing issues we're doing right now. Yeah, so. extra long issues give us time. So so yeah, so that's it for this week. Uh, next time, another new lineup. Change things up covering uh, next week's titles DP7, 17, and Cyforce 18. Cyforce again? Cyforce. <laughs> we always get extra Cyforce. <laughs> At least we won't have to wait too long to find out what happened to uh, Sanctuary. Sci yi yi. That was a little side duck. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. You read about DP seven seventeen. I'll try and distract you with Pokemon sounds. Cyhawk, Psyduck. Wait a <laughs> second. It's all coming together now. Uh, Cy- DP seven seventeen. The clinic turns into a no holds barred battleground when a gang war erupts amongst all the paranormals. How can DP seven survive in a complex that's become a madhouse? Written by Mark Gruenwald, penciled by Paul Ryan, and inked by Daniel Bulanati. I'm hoping we get that like Scooby Doo scene where like there's the hallway with all the doors opposite each other and like the the black powers are running through one door <laughs> to the other side and then the, the DD teams chasing after him. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it'll be just like that. <laughs> Race yeah. War 1987 continues with. Uh... I'm a little sad that they call it a gang war and not a race war, but oh well. Um, 
Yeah, so Cyforce 18, we're back. Uh, big solicitation here. Is Wayne Tucker the only Cyforce member to survive the Sanctuary Safe House explosion? Uh, we hope not. Uh, the mysterious international Medusa web wants to know, and they'll tear apart Seattle to get that answer. Wait, I thought they were in San Francisco. Alone in a Crowd is written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Ron Limb, inked by Romeo Tangal. So, all right, that Medusa. was also a sanctuary in Seattle. This, this is true, though it was kind of run by creeps, uh, or at least infiltrated by creeps, if not necessarily run by creeps. Mm. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, in the meantime, check us out www.kickersinc.com uh, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com send us some feedback, we'd love to hear it and uh, this has been the voice of the new universe and we'll see you back at the spinner rack Don't throw away the duck <laughs> It's your universe, idiot Nuke me with the new <laughs> <laughs> Lame explosion sound <laughs>